0: Back to DVE Rocks, live from training camp, presented by FedEx and brought to you in part by Leacom, Bud Light, Excella Health, Ford, and Ireland Contracting on 102.5 DVE.
1: Welcome back to our number two of DVE Rocks training camp, live from the Rivers Casino. Mike Persuda and Bob Labriola. We're going to be here until 9 o'clock tonight. If you've been following along at home, you heard us. Prior to the Hall of Fame game in Canton, and you heard us last Thursday night uh, before the Steelers game in Philadelphia. Labs, we'll get uh, two-thirds of the Steelers Radio Network pregame show first line together for these shows. And, uh, hey, sometimes that's
2: enough. Um, well, when it's me and you, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I believe we did predict the Joe Schober trade, too, did we not? Let's – let's. Um, I believe maybe we did. they Maybe they could go back shirtless Tom could go back into the archives and dig out that uh, audio of us saying that that the Steelers were going to acquire this guy for virtually nothing
1: and get half the salary paid by Jacksonville
2: <laughs> all kidding aside I do recall speaking on
1: that very pregame show last Thursday about how I was deathly concerned about the inside linebacker
2: position and uh, not anymore not not so much no uh, and you know here and this to me uh, and maybe this might not seem to be a significant issue uh, to some fans or you know to others in our profession, but um, I, I, I really believe that it, that it has an impact. Um, you know Joe Schobert, he's played for five seasons in the NFL. I think his team's total in those five seasons have won 16 games. actually. You're giving him a little too much
1: credit. According according to our buddy Mark Caboli from The Athletic, he tweeted that uh, Joe Schobert's teams are 15-64-1 in four years with the Cleve Brownies and one year with the Jacksonville
2: Jaguars. So, um, you know, and and I would compare it a little bit to the acquisition of Joe Hayden. Um, You know, from a professional standpoint, from a career standpoint, I believe that Joe Schobert and his wife, who is actually very active on social media, she broke the story. Right? Um, they're looking like they got paroled. Seriously, uh, and, and you know, I mean it in a in a good way. And I don't think you can underestimate or discount the fact when you add a player such as him, who is talented, who is accomplished, and is so excited to join an organization that he perceives to be one you know that has an opportunity to actually win some things that have some significance I mean I remember uh Joe Hayden's first season with the Steelers having a you know a little bit of a casual conversation with him where he explained to me I think he'd been in the in the league eight years he had never been on a team that was one and oh never this is incredible you he had never been on a team that was over five hundred at any point, and um, you know, and just discussing with uh, Mike Tomlin about later that year the Steelers won the division, and you know the hats and the t-shirts that they give out. I mean, we make fun of it. We rule the north. <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously, um, but Joe Hayden, I mean, he that was that was a, a, a significant um, gift to him in terms of you know being able to have something that spoke to an accomplishment as a team you know that was somewhat significant it's not winning the Lombardi trophy I'm not trying to overstate it but I do think that you know people need to realize that for a guy and let's just speak about Hayden here a guy like Joe Hayden who you know won it was a winner at so many different levels Um, of his football career to go as long as he did in the NFL. Uh, And I'm not, you know, know, to say he won nothing, uh, to me is not even doing it justice. As I said, never over 500, never 1-0. Not even 1-0. You know, I mean, um, and so then you go somewhere um, where you have an opportunity, uh, you do succeed to a certain degree, uh, I, I just think that the joy, the enthusiasm that those kinds of people bring to your locker room um, should not be under underestimated. And I think that Joe Schobert is one of those guys. I, I, I do believe that his experience in the Pro Bowl uh, with the Steelers coaching staff in 2017, um, you know, his time with the Cleveland Browns, uh, at a time when they were like one 15 fifteen, zero and sixteen, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I think they were both in his tenure. Yeah, uh, you know, Jacksonville won win last year, right? And th- this is a guy who, you know, he has eaten a lot of garbage uh, in terms of his professional career to this point. Uh, I just think he is excited and really looking forward to an opportunity to be on the other side of a lot of this kind of stuff, and uh, I think that that will show itself. Um, in his preparation and maybe how he uh, approaches his job as well as to the other guys in the locker room that, you know, as bad as you think you have it, fellas, I'm here to tell you, hold, it could be a hold lot my worse. my beer, right. yeah.
1: I, I think it's a great point, and uh, it's a dynamic you find a lot in hockey. I know you don't really like these other uh, cross-sport references when we're doing a football show, but uh, a team that will win the Stanley Cup, will make a couple of changes because the most of those guys just won the Stanley Cup and now you bring in somebody that thinks he can do it and maybe he hasn't done it yet and that as you said the energy the emotion the enthusiasm that stuff's real I mean you can't there's not an analytic for it
2: but it helps drive the bus oh it absolutely does and um, you know when you combine that with you know some physical skill some physical ability uh, some production, some history of production. I think you really have a positive addition to the team. And, you know, this guy played with T.J. Watt, too. I don't think that that's insignificant. And or Derek. Should be. Well, yeah, lesser, Derek, but, you know, T.J., for sure. Um, you know, I just don't think it should be overlooked.
1: So inside linebacker, we think, is a lot better off than it was before the trade. Uh, looking at the roster now, uh, where are you still wondering, boy, is this going to be good enough?
2: Well, you know, uh, right now for me, um, and, and it's not so much because of what we might perceive that they don't have in terms of personnel, but, you know, you're looking at the defensive backfield. This Antoine Brooks injury to me is uh, really, really counterproductive. Do we know what that is, by the way? I do not. Uh, Nor do I. Okay.
1: I just know he missed the Eagles game. He missed time leading up to
2: the Eagles game. Didn't practice today. Didn't practice again today. I mean, uh, he's been, you know, doing some sprints and um, those kind of conditioning things on the side, including today. But uh, he was not out on the field practicing uh, because my understanding is that certainly through the early portion of training camp, Antoine Brooks was a guy who – I won't say that I won't go so, so far as to say that he had sewn up that nickel job, but he was looking pretty good at it. Oh, and yeah. I think that
1: expectation w- goes back to minicamp. I mean, that was the first time that we were allowed to talk about what we saw and talk to people about what we saw. And the word then was, well, he's the guy, but Arthur Mallet Mallette, is that yeah, how you pronounce Malette, that? Yeah, I usually wait till they make the team till I learn how to pronounce it <laughs> correctly. But thank you. Uh, he was supposed to be the veteran guy pushing and uh, Mike Tomlin called him a quote NFL dude so it was gonna be legit competition but I think they were expecting number 25 was gonna be the guy
2: yeah and and so uh, putting uh, Brooks on the shelf for as long as he has been on the shelf you know you've kind of created a situation where you don't really know where you are at the nickel cornerback spot and so you know, we were talking earlier, or at least I was, about, you know, the trickle-down at inside linebacker when you add um, um, Joe Sh- Uh Now you have the opposite kind of trickle-down at nickelback. Is this a situation where you have to put Cam Sutton there? And then are you uh, settling for James Pierre as the outside corner? Who's been very good. He has his moments. Um uh, the thing I will say about James Pierre is that at least he uh, balances the times he gets beat, which is inevitable for a corner, with making plays. Gets his hands on the ball. We made another one today on a deep ball from Haskins right, to uh, 82, so I think. You like that, certainly. Um, you, the, you're obviously, your preference would be that you don't have to go through some of the getting beat stuff yeah uh, to get to the the other side of it but uh, you know again is that the the bottom line to me is is that um, better or as good as having cam Sutton there and a uh, Antoine Brooks in the slot in the as the nickel I, I don't know the answer to that because we haven't seen enough to make that determination but if you're asking me what concerns me right now it's that not so much that i don't believe that they have the people on the roster to deal with it but i don't know that they have uh those people in positions in terms of health in some instances to know how they really need to arrange them You know, I understand that uh, there are
1: some good people lining up in the slot for NFL offenses, and it's a tough position. But I don't want to remember Mike Hilton like he was Lester Hayes either. I mean. No, he was definitely not Lester Hayes. The guy was a coverage liability. Absolutely. So how hard can this really be? Isn't it pick one and go from there instead of, well, we're going to do this on this down and this on. Now we're getting back into all that guessing game crap that we talked about that Schobert eliminates just. Pick a guy, put him
2: out there, and roll with it. That well, would be my advice. Well, okay, and and I don't disagree with that, but let's be honest. Um, based on how you just described Mike Hilton and what we both know about him, there was a lot of that uh, smoke and mirrors going on with him right. in the lineup as well. So
1: just line the guy up in the slot, have him rush whoever it is, and have the two really good sideline-to-sideline inside linebackers pick up the slack. Well, uh, you know, that's certainly an option. It Um, it is now. I I, I feel a lot better about nickel corner, and I don't know who it is, and Keith Butler wouldn't say who it is, but I would not overthink it. I would say, well, if we're going to go nickel, somebody got to do it. 35, you're up, 25, you're up. We'll see how it goes. I think we're going to be okay. I don't think this is going to be a deal
2: breaker for the defense. Um. Yeah, from your mouth to God's ears, you know, you know uh, um, I certainly hope that as well. I do, though, in every situation like this, uh, always go back to uh, the offenses. The opposing offenses are often extremely uncooperative. Well, sometimes. and um, Sometimes. But you rush the
1: passer pretty good in pitch. Yes. Two.
2: Yes. And so um, I, I do. And, bull- you know, that
1: slot guy. Usually isn't the guy who beats you over the top for sixty yards, and then the extra point team comes on the field. He'll move the chains, but
2: yeah, I mean it, you can I've live to
1: fight another day at, at worst. There,
2: yeah, unless the other team is in the red zone, well, and then they box you out and they catch a touchdown pass, which is the same thing as does happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and again, uh, but I will say this: I tend to agree with your assessment in that. Uh, when you look at the overall uh, profile of the defense, I feel better about it with Joe Schobert there um, than I did without him there, even though he is not specifically assigned uh, yes, or is not going to be That
1: trickle-down goes further than just, just that back position. up. In so- yes. 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 Yeah, I would agree. Any other area? Uh, we saw the first-team offensive line today. Mike Tomlin finally tacitly confirming Kendrick Green. He said there's going to be
2: no bold announcement. But oh, I thought the tacit uh, 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 acknowledgement was 69. Kevin Dotson. Oh, that I, to me. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know, and I think that to me was so obvious. That's I mean, fine.
1: I, honest to God, are we? What are we talking about here? To uh, quote Mike Tomlin. I, I agree
2: with Rashad you. Rashad Cowart, really? You're going to line up with that guy? Um, again, I'm on your team on this one. I agree with you, uh, but uh, I was just, uh, I won't say uh, relieved, but I do believe that there is a certain amount of time necessary for these guys to develop cohesion. Well, they got a couple weeks. Right. And this is, again, not delaying this anymore, yeah, uh, I think is a good thing. It's not. I mean, it's
1: not ideal, but it's not hor- horrific. Uh, you got yeah. you got your five. Right. Banner, I think look He's looking better and better. He's getting more snaps. Pretty significant injury, and I uh, feel a lot better about him having seen him play and having seen him deal with a Melvin Ingram spin move and be able to react to it and get in front of it. Than I did. Well, well, he'll be okay. He's coming off surgery, but that's the guy we're projecting. It's we're seeing that on the field a little bit.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, you know, again, I there's there, there's a lot of things that I think that uh, are not worthy of being considered uh, issues that you know you can kind of talk about. Uh, it's what we do, you and I. Not just us. <laughs> well, right. Um, it's a lot of people making a lot of noise. they got to talk about something. I understand. Uh, and there's a lot of days between now and September the 12th. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cyberspace to fill, a lot of airtime to fill. I, I, I get all of it. Um, but, you know, to respond to your question, um, you know, when you look over some of the things, Sure. The tight ends' blocking can be better. Um, I've sort of written that off. I I don't disagree with work you. Work around it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Work around it. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. If you're
1: asking if this season you're asking Eric Ebron to make a key block on the goal line. That's not
2: on him. That's on you. Right. Think of a think of a different play. Yeah. Right. You know, put Derek Watt there. Put I don't know um, whoever. The, Somebody else. Dan Moore. As an extra tackle, Uh, right? Something else. Do something else. Don't try to fit, cram the square peg in the round hole. Um, You know, going back to Joe Schobert, let me just say this. One of the things that struck me when he was acquired was how enthusiastic he was about playing behind the Steelers' defensive line. Yeah. uh, we saw a little bit more Stephon to it, doing some football things today. I think that that's moving, you know, in the in the correct direction. Um, and again, when you're looking at, as I was talking about earlier, uh, a situation where you're able for the Steelers, you're able to put a unit on the field that doesn't necessarily expose itself. Uh, dramatically to one or the other uh, option for the offense, either running the ball or throwing the ball. Um, I, I just think that the that the play of the defensive line, how those guys, Cam Hayward, if Tyson Alualu is on the field or not, um, uh, Stephon to it, can really really help uh, the Steelers get done what needs to be done in those situations.
1: When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, rules changes slash uh, officiating areas of emphasis. Two things near and dear to Bob Labriola's heart. Oh, God. And uh, we're going to do so with uh, Gene Steratore, the officiating guru from the DVE Morning Show. With Bob Labriola, I'm Mike Persuda. We're coming at you live tonight from the Rivers Casino. We're going to be here until 9 o'clock tonight right here On your Steelers flagship, 102.5
0: DVE. Back to DVE Rocks, live from training camp, presented by FedEx and brought to you in part by Leacom, Bud Light, Excella Health, Ford, and Ireland Contracting on 102.5 DVE. Welcome back to the Rivers
1: Casino, and welcome back to DVE Rocks training camp. Mike Pursuta, along with Bob Labriola, will be here until 9 o'clock tonight. It's the third of our three Steelers training camp specials and labs Uh, I don't know if uh, controversial is the right word but there is certainly an officiating emphasis that has gotten a lot of people's attention and that is the emphasis on taunting and how they're not going to put up with that and uh, we at the DVE morning show had a chance to talk to our own personal officiating guru Gene Steratore this week. Gene of course uh, from Uniontown, part of the officiating sterator family his brother tony used to be in the league and uh we both know gene and have for a long time i always get a kick out of having him on the show because i think back to a lot of college basketball games that i attended live and in person that gene worked and the things i used to yell at him when he got it (laughs) wrong bob
2: no He never got it wrong. Oh, he got it wrong a lot. He got it wrong a lot. just perceived it to be wrong.
1: I told him one time, you know, he always said, you know, that, Mikey, uh, that charge block call, it's the toughest call in basketball. And I said, Gene, if you're doing a Michigan State game, it's easy because the Tom Izzo players are so well coached. If we got the ball, it's a block. If they got the ball,
2: It's it's a charge.
1: What's so hard about that? He never really saw it that way. But we did get it. A chance to speak with Gene about the taunting and the new, you know, the poor little defensive backs can't block the guy that's 380 pounds out on the wing in the knees anymore. They can't cut him. Uh, Significant changes potentially with the NFL. Here's Uniontown's Gene Steratore on the DVE Morning Show.
0: It's your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now from the NFL on Fox, officiating guru. Gene Sterator, time for Zebra Talk. Gene, good morning. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, guys. And good morning, Val. Good morning, Gene. Gene, how's your summer going?
3: It's going really well. It uh it was a great summer. We got to actually see people, hug people. Yeah. It was exciting.
0: Yeah, no doubt it about was it. exciting. Yeah. I uh, hope you. I hope you got it all packed in. You might be uh, batting down the hatches again here soon.
2: <laughs> I hope exactly not. Right. No, I hope not.
0: Uh, all right. Well, that, I, I don't even want to go there. Let me let, let me ask you this first of all about the uh, about the the newest rules. Once again, now I, upon hearing that the NFL was going to be more strict in enforcing the no taunting rule and even. Kind of ramp up the charges here and throw throw people out the penalties, anyways, for the charges. Uh, two taunts and you're gone, and a sort of more enhanced understanding of what constitutes taunting, uh, including language. You know, which is something that we can't hear. We don't hear that. We can see them flexing at each other, pointing and doing. You know, <laughs> you know the physical manifestation of taunting, but we don't get to hear anything. Yeah. So I think a way to make fans like this new rule. Is by making the referees tell us what they said to each other.
3: <laughs> I think that would be great.
0: Yeah. If that happens, I'm, com- I'm coming back, Red. I'm coming yeah. to come back if that happens.
3: He yeah. called him a no good blood bleep, 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 <laughs> bleep, 15 yards, first down. You know. <laughs> I think I would let, yeah, I, I may even embellish a little extra, you know what I mean? Because uh, it's now my word against everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what, yeah. I mean. yeah, <laughs> We could sprinkle a little additional stuff in there. He not only said this, but then yeah. he said that. Right. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so, I, you know, there was a play on Sunday in the Colts-Panthers game where the running back, uh, you know, drags the defense 14 yards, yeah. gets up, and he flexes. And he got flagged. And to me, that, I mean, unless he said something ridiculous, which maybe he did, it's hard for me to, to look at that and say, oh, this is making the game better.
3: I I, I agree with you. And it, and it's a tough position to put the officials in. Uh, you know, each year, as we all know, competition committee sits down, the stakeholders evaluate where they want the game heading, and then they put these Types of mandates on the officials to to put in action what they are discussing, uh, and then you get into the situation that you said, and I saw the play as well. It, you know, as far as the verbal is concerned, in all honesty, it, there's a few things out there I think that are just you know non starters. It's that's it, an automatic. Outside of that, I I kind of enjoyed the verbal banter. I, I mean, I yeah. thought it was a it was actually. Good for them as a release mechanism on the field as well, so long as you could manage that. And, and uh, I enjoyed the fact that I had some leverage to be able to do that as well and manage that type of bantering. And I thought that actually brought, you know, brought us all together a little better. It gave me an opportunity to set some standards out there that, uh, that were kind of just held to us on the field so uh that's a that's a tough box to put officials in and then the play that you're referring to look you, you know not that we get into this as officials, but this is a young man that's trying to make a football team he's yeah. probably gone through a couple of years of uh you know i'm i'm close and and this may be that play right that uh that shows something additional on film that gets him that look, so he avoids the uh you know the 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 visit today uh, that he's not going home because of that. And now at the end of a 10, 15-yard gain, he gets a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty call that negates that great effort that he had. Um, I think a couple things. And, uh, look, in the preseason, we always took the additional points of emphasis or or new rule type of implementation and pushed it to the limit as officials. I know I did when I was on the field because I really wanted to see all right, is this really what you want? So there was a tendency at times in preseason, you know, that the 50-50 play, throw it out there. You know, it's preseason. Uh, uh, call the foul on this play, and then let's discuss this in the, in the upcoming week to see if that is where the line is or if we can now discuss that. So there, there, I would say there's some of that occurring right now. Um, their idea on paper We don't want to demean our opponent. We know we're the, uh, you know, kind of the the standard that sets the the stage for for football and sportsmanlike as it trickles down from the NFL level. But there is a balance in between this. This young man got up and flexed, in my opinion, not pointing directly at his opponent in a demeaning way. This was just the Hulk-like, you know, you can't take me down feeling.
0: And they um, couldn't, a, I mean, it yeah. wasn't, you know, it wasn't a exactly. two yard run. I mean, it was an amazing play.
3: I agree. Totally. And I, and again, look, I, I was like that in basketball too, right? Like the coach is one foot out of the coaching box. So I want to turn around and whack him with a technical foul because his emotion took him two steps out of his designated spot. Uh, you know, or are you going to allow me the opportunity to, to, you know, you know, to manage that again—it's the management thing. When when things become black and white, this is it. Zero tolerance. You've taken a part of the art of of doing the managing portion of officiating away from them as well, and then you get into these these moments that we that we saw last week in that place specifically. And then moving forward, and, it, and it's a tough box for the officials to be in. I I've ne- I never liked the hit over the middle where a player now is laying there potentially hurt, right? right? And he, it, now we're going to stand over top of him and look down. I ne- I didn't like the feel of that. I, I felt like that wasn't a good message to send. Right, uh, and, and that's understandable. You know,
0: and, and that's yeah. what I think that the NFL Players Association was was talking about when they were, were saying that they wanted more protection for their guys against this kind of stuff, and I think it was that because it was sort of reinforcing that that play as being something to celebrate, which you don't want. But now you are once again asking the referees to be the judge and jury on the field. This is, you know, when when they have to make judgment calls like this. We've seen it in the past. It puts them in a tough position to be able to make those determinations on the spot.
3: Without a doubt, and 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 listen, in in, in a place where emotion intensity. Uh, is at its highest, right? I mean, you're you're talking about an extremely intense situation where a little reaction like that um, is pretty much a human element but that 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 should occur and and would occur. Um, you know, we hope that as this next two or three weeks unfold, before we get to where the games really start to count on the records, that that they dial it in and you know and and put it in that place. But again, Rand, I mean, when you put these mandates out. You know, the guys and, g- and gals in the stripes have to now enforce what's been put out there. And I'm not unlike any other year, will be the uh, focal point of a bunch of criticism based on what the stakeholders have told them they want them to do.
1: Well, Gene, uh, hey, you know, it, it would have been something else anyway. So, I mean, the criticism's going to be there, right? Uh, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. If it's this, if it's yeah, that, 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 that what's,
1: it. what's the difference, really? Uh, hey, second year in a row, I have missed. That annual meeting at St. Vincent College. Uh, usually, it was you or your brother. You give us that nice video presentation, and we have a great little Q and A. Besides the taunting, uh, do you see any points of emphasis or changes in the way calls are going to be made that will be potentially significant or obvious?
3: I think the low. I think the low block uh, uh, rule with with what can what is now illegal relating to the tackle box, the tight end box when they're out in space uh, when we have those offensive linemen that are pulling on a quick screen and now he's outside of the tight end box, which is a couple yards wider than where the tight end position sits on the field. And once those players get outside of that area or they are five yards further down the field away from that, when that low block occurs from the offense or defense is going to change the way the game looks and, and plays that we're used to seeing uh, you'll see a big offensive guard get out in space and and pull on a quick screen, and a defensive back is coming up. And truthfully, in self-defense, you know, it's not going to take on this offensive lineman that's moving at a pretty quick rate, and he'll go low on him, right, to like take his legs away from him because it's the only option he really has to protect himself and get this guy out of the way. So what's he so doing now? Locking, you see. Uh, he's <laughs> he's either going to have to got to stay above his waist and take on 300 pounds moving really quick uh, or get out of the way, you know, and it's not going to be an easy scenario. It's a good safety addition to the rule because I think when you start going to legs like that out in space on either side, uh, you know, there's a lot of injury that could take place potentially there. But you'll see a little difference in the game, I think, as it relates to the low blocking rule, uh, you know, moving into the season.
0: Gene Gene, is there an is there an officiating wing in the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton?
3: No, Randy, and I really wish that there would be. Uh, there are a few really unbelievable people that have been uh, uh, just just great contributors to this game. And Art McNally naturally is the first name that uh, we all in officiating would think they named that the the wing of an officiating department, the Art McNally Game Day Center. Uh, and Art McNally really put together this entire officiating thing when the AFL and NFL merged. Uh, and there's a fantastic individual who's, who's an icon in this business and, uh, and really should have been in the Hall of Fame a decade ago, at least. And, uh, you know, and then I think there's a couple more that, uh, that, that have been really good for the game. And it's one of the few professional sports as well where they have not recognized officials major league baseball has the nba has uh but the nfl has not done that and uh and i would like to see that happen i, I think uh look they're the third team on the field and uh and, and they don't have a fan base per se right but but they've been a very important part and continue to be and will be a very important part of this game we all love so that recognition I i would hope at some point you know happens
1: well i went through I the really hall do. when we were out there gene they did have your index card if i'm remembering correctly it was, it was a nice display <laughs> you know mikey
3: uh, uh one of the humble things i don't say it often but after super bowl 52 i was sent a letter and and they did request my game jersey from oh that, nice from i missed that yeah so they did they did hang it up there for a brief moment uh and we Took some photos and uh, and and uh, so I know it's in the archives back in the basement back there and you know section double Z and uh, and the lower <laughs> level file cabinet, but it's in there and uh, it was a it was a wonderful tribute as my career ended.
0: Well, uh, it deservedly so. You would be uh, you, you know you, you said they don't have a fan base, but you certainly do here on the DV Morning Show, Gene Steratore. And you know if Ed Hockley were to ever get in, they could just make a bust of his biceps. You just have a one big bicep. <laughs>
3: That would be a pretty good deal. You know, it's amazing, Rand, when you retire, you get so much better. Yes. You know, as an official, <laughs> it's like – Man, Gene, we wish you were back there. No, no, you really don't. I mean, <laughs> today, though, but you know, I appreciate it.
0: I appreciate it. <laughs> Gene Steratore, looking forward to another season uh, of you here on the DVE Morning Show. We are only a couple of weeks away from the NFL. Like, what is we, one month away, Mike, from kickoff? September 12th. is. Uh, no, yeah, less than that. Less, yeah, geez, yeah, we're under a month. Yeah. Holy cow. The NFL season oh, about to yeah. start. And Gene uh, Steratore once again joining us here on the DVE Morning Show. Gino, thanks as always.
3: Thank you, guys. Looking
0: forward to a great year. That was Gene
1: Steratore on the DVE Morning Show. You know, Labs, one of the things that uh, I always get a real kick out of is watching a CBS game, and there's a play that uh, they need to go to somebody that knows what they're talking about rules-wise, or at least is supposed to. And they put that little mugshot of Gene Steratore up on national television, and I sit there and think, that's our
2: guy. That's the DVE Morning Show officiating guru. Yeah, and let me just say this real quick. I'm kind of on the other side of all of this. No disrespect to Gene Steratore, but I've watched a lot of NFL games where you have the former referee, you know, or whatever, uh, and then he opines on what he believes should be the call after a review or whatever based on, you know, his interpretation of the rules, his experience, blah, 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 and then it's the other way. And so that, to me, just really emphasizes the arbitrary nature of what NFL officiating actually is today.
1: When we come back, uh, Labs and I are going to wrap things up. I'm going to ask Bob about uh, some guys that uh, have made an impression on him in training camp and guys who maybe weren't primetime players a year ago that might have uh, significant roles coming up for the Steelers in 2021. With Bob Labriola, I'm Mike Persuda. We are live at the Rivers Casino on until 9 o'clock tonight. It's DVE Rocks Training Camp right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE.
0: Back to DVE Rocks, live from Training Camp, presented by FedEx and brought to you in part by Lecom, Bud Light, Excella Health, Ford, and Ireland Contracting on 102.5 DVE.
1: Welcome back to Rivers Casino and welcome back to DVE Rocks Training Camp. Mike Persuda and Bob Labriola with you until 9 o'clock tonight. Labs, uh, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, but uh, before we get out of here and uh, put the capper on our third of three Steelers Training Camp specials, I wanted to ask you about uh, some players, uh, a, a player or players, who have made an impression on you in camp thus far, and. Uh, You know, a guy that wasn't here last year that you think might be a significant part of what happens in 2021. And I'm not speaking in in this juncture about Kendrick Green or Najee Harris, the high-profile guys, Pat Friermuth. But has anyone gotten your attention that you really didn't have much
2: of an opinion on last year because they didn't do a whole heck of a lot? Well, I mean, um, you you mentioned guys who weren't here last year. um, And to me, that also... Uh, speaks to guys who were here last year but were invisible. And um, to me, I'll start with Anthony McFarlane. Um, this was a guy Good who – Good place to start. I, I didn't really even know last year as I was watching him, does this guy even belong in the league. Um, I, I There was really nothing about him that impressed me or uh, caused me to think that, while well, this guy could, um, you know, be a, a factor in the National Football League, and you and I have talked about this a bunch of times. What was that fourth and one pass play, Washington? Washington. Um, I mean, that you gotta was got catch that ball. Well, or you know, at least look a little bit more athletic and professional uh, in going uh, to try and make that attempt.
1: Um, and just in case people don't remember. The Steelers needed probably one more first down to kick a field goal. That play you're referencing might have gone for a touchdown. And instead, they turn the ball over, and uh, Washington goes down and kicks a field goal and ends up winning the game.
2: So, um, certainly, uh, but what I've seen from him, McFarland, this season, you know, and you and I have talked about this, if not on this very show, but certainly on the pregame show, uh, Anthony McFarland seems to me to be a a budding, outstanding compliment to Najee Harris. I think we'll, we're going to see some two-back sets, not necessarily the Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris version of the two-back set, but um, a, a two-back set where um, the Steelers have a couple of different uh, options in terms of running the ball and or catching the ball out of the backfield. Anthony McFarlane seems to me to be, he looks to me, to be a legitimate uh, NFL running back right now. Uh, The other guy um, I will point out uh, kind of on the other end of this, um, and we've talked about him already uh, tonight, uh, Antoine Brooks. Uh, He was a guy who who looked good at at that slot nickel cornerback job. Uh, I thought he had some potential there. Uh, I thought that he could become what the Steelers really were looking for slash needed in terms of finding a replacement for Mike Hilton. Uh, His injury, whatever it is that has removed him from consideration practice the preseason now for a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know that it has precluded him from being that when the season opens on September the 12th but um, it certainly has muddied um, you know, the waters in terms of trying to figure out how the team wants to pursue uh, or proceed that in that position. So um, I would pick those two guys. I believe they're both Maryland guys, right? They are. Um, so And Keith Butler said that Mike
1: Tallman was aware of them because one of his sons played at Maryland and he saw a lot of Maryland football. And to that, I say, hey, Whatever it takes. Good information comes from a variety of sources, yes. and good. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I'm um, glad his kid didn't go to Monmouth, although I think <laughs>
2: Pete Guerrero is uh,
1: looking good out there for what that's worth.
2: Right. I mean, and and that to me really is one of the strengths of uh, Mike Tallman and how he does his job. Uh, whatever situation um, he finds himself in, uh, he will do his best most, uh, his best, ju- uh, best attempt at due diligence and trying to figure out, you know, what these guys are, who they are, and what or if they might fit uh, in the NFL. And so, yeah, if uh, his son playing at Maryland leads to a nice complimentary running back and a decent nickelback, hey, I'm all in favor of that.
1: I'll give you a couple as well. Uh, I think James Pierre has come a long way. They, they, He made the team as an undrafted player last year and, and earned his stripes on special teams. And I don't know that he's going to have a huge impact this year, but he looks like an NFL cornerback to me. Uh, I'm thinking more next year. Maybe there's an opening on the other side uh, of the position that Camp Sutton plays, and maybe Pierre fits in nicely there. But uh, – there's a lot of talk right now, and uh, Keith Butler would certainly not uh, discount this talk today that maybe Pierre plays so well that they're more compelled to put Cam Sutton inside in the sub packages stuff and make him the nickel. I'd keep Sutton outside in the base in the nickel. If you got to play dime, Pierre can fill in while Sutton plays his dime backer role, but uh, as we have uh, emphasized with Joe Showbert and Devin Bush both available. I'd be playing a ton of nickel this year. And uh, the other guy I want to mention is Carlos Davis, who I didn't really notice at all last year. Seventh-round pick, defensive lineman. Got
2: that right. Didn't hey. notice him at all last year.
1: But I noticed him in Philly running down the field covering the opening kickoff a la Brett Keisel, a big guy who can move. Those guys, good coaches find a way to, to let those guys do what they do. And this guy's got a little pass rush push
2: and if you could play some special teams for you all the better yeah and the thing about special teams especially for young guys a lot of times that's what buys them the time to stay in the league to continue to improve and work on their ultimate you know position whether it's offense or defense uh because you know you need to be contributing in some way and if you can do it on special teams as brett kiesel did um you know, you give yourself the time to develop into a, a starting player and then, you know, um, even more than that, you know, a, a quality starting player, a, a a indispensable starting player. And, um, you know, kudos to Carlos Davis for that. And let me just – another guy to me in that same um, avenue, Jameer Jones. Oh, the great. outside linebacker guy. Thank God you brought him up before we uh, got out of here because that uh,
1: guy is
2: – turning heads and opening eyes and he's making again uh when he's not he's he's doing well uh, as an outside linebacker but he's also making tackles on special teams and so i believe that that should allow him the time to continue to work on his craft as an outside linebacker and who knows what he might turn out to be
1: yeah really an interesting study in that he was pretty far off the radar when, when <laughs> camp began not even on it you know spent a little time in the houston organization last year and uh just the other day now t.j watt and melvin ingram weren't practicing but he got number one reps at outside linebacker reps with the first unit that tells you how far this guy has come another
2: man's inconvenience or a uh, misfortune what do they say another somebody else's opportunity that's going to do it for us
1: tonight. I want to thank Bill Hillgrove, the voice of the Steelers, for joining us here live at the Rivers Casino. Thanks to shortless Tom back in the studio for keeping us on the air. Thanks to Hoosier Jake for coming in from Bloomington, Indiana, to get everything set up and uh, get us running here from Rivers. And thank you for finding us. Uh, welcome to Pittsburgh, Joe Schobert. The game has changed. For Bob Labriola, I'm Mike Persuda. You have been listening to DVE Rocks Training Camp right here on your flagship for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. And oh, by the way, White Sox 5, A's nothing. (laughs) Good night, everybody.